Karen, thank you so much for coming to EWTN. We, we just recorded two shows for At Home with Jim and Joy. Mm -hmm. and you talked about your book, Walking Through Holy Week, A Journey into the Story of Easter. And it was just such a, I think for me, it was just refreshing in this first week of Lent just to start thinking about Holy Week already. Right, to have um, your destination in mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I love so about So many it. people, and Mother Angelica would speak about this often, that so many people get so stuck in this world and they think about just their own sufferings, their own, um, you know, gripes and complaining, but we don't talk about heaven. I mean, she mm -hmm. used to, she would say that way back when she said, I, she said, I never really heard a priest really preach about heaven. Preach wow. about eternal life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So she went it upon her. She took it upon herself to do a whole series on heaven. That's funny because yeah, now that you yeah. say that, it's like how do we live here? Yeah. How do we get through our sufferings now? And mm -hmm. and that that concept of looking towards the end, looking towards our goal. I actually was in the Holy Land just a few weeks ago mm. and went into the Holy Sepulchre. And as I went in there, I had all of these prayer intentions with me for people who have died or people who are, are dying and, and really had the crucifixion, the preparation for burial and the tomb mm. in mind. And as I went in, a priest said, yeah, and this is where Jesus resurrected. I realized I forgot that part. Yeah. <laughs> like this is, I, the whole concept for me was this is where he died and this is where he gave his life for us, which is beautiful. But then I realized it, we're so easily overcome by this world or by our suffering or by whatever it is we're dealing with today, which can be a lot. And yeah. we forget that like, wait, but this is where the resurrection happened. This is yes. where the light broke through and the veil was torn and heaven just overcame everything. Yeah, and, and this book is great for people, and you suggested for people in RCIA to read it because they are in the process of being instructed mm -hmm. and being, um, uh, and, you know, the process of um, enlightenment uh, through faith and, and um, you know, being taught the truths of the faith. Right. But then comes that Holy Week mm -hmm. and... Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday. Like you talked about Holy Saturdays being like this, everything is packed into one day and they right. receive the sacraments. On that day, you know, on that day, right. And so, so this is, I think, a preparation for like what they're going to receive. It's such a good one too, because kind of the same thing as we talked about in RCIA, you're learning, okay, here's this teaching, here's this understanding and kind of trying to get all the details and lost in there is, so you're going to be sitting at mass on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and mm. you hardly know what's going on mm. in Sunday mass, much less what's happening. Like, why am I holding a palm or yes. why are people's feet getting washed? What is this? And to be able to go through there and say, this is where our faith is based. This is, you know, service as Jesus served us, we are yes. to serve each other, not only in the washing of the feet, but in giving his life for us. And we give our lives for him and to each other. But then that transformation, that resurrection. And yeah. so as they come and as they understand what's going on, I've seen in people who I've sponsored in our CIA that yeah. I've been able to, you know, that Wednesday before, even the week before, go through and tell them what's happening. Like on Thursday, we're going to the Last Supper. Mm. We're going to the garden to pray with him. And on Friday, we walk to the cross and we sit at the foot understanding what has been done. And on Saturday, we wait. And watching them go through that and then end up on Saturday waiting for their confirmation mm. and just 
you know, and we've never been the first ones. We've always been one of the last. And so the priest is working his way down and you can just feel mm. their anticipation, feel how much they want mm. for that entry into the church because they understand this gift that they've been given and they're so ready to receive it. And how beautiful for us as witnesses to do the same thing every year. It should be a renewal for us. I remember mm-hmm. um, being at World Youth Day in Sydney, Australia, and it was the theme from Acts, um, and I, I think it was, um, "I will, gi- I will give you, I will set your hearts on fire when the Holy Spirit comes," or something mm-hmm. like that. I think it was from Acts two. And Pope Benedict chose um, one person from each continent to celebrate the sacrament of confirmation with. And I remember, like, I was confirmed in 1989, mm-hmm. and I was, I think I was in eighth grade at that time. And, you know, I, I was thinking back during my confirmation, I probably wasn't all there. Right, uh, right. As far as my heart and my mind and my intellect and, right, yeah, how and much ready to really receive. Right, you really understand, right. You know, I, I, I think I had lots of obstacles <laughs> blocking grace. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I was ignorant <laughs> from <Right>. one. Um, <laughs> but in that moment, um, it was as if when I, I saw him on the screen, this big screen, he was way away. I mean, there, there was like 500,000 people wow. there. And when he was conferring the sacrament of confirmation on these uh, young people, it, it was almost as if I, for the for like the first time, I thought about my own confirmation, and about the the grace that I received mm-hmm. at that confirmation. And it's like I asked the Lord at that moment, Lord, please help me to enter into that moment mm-hmm. of my own confirmation, the moment that is being. Re, you know, reenacted, yes, yes. redone um, right here, these, these people receiving the sacrament of confirmation. And it was, I felt like I was flooded almost with grace. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, and, I, and I was able to understand what I had received years mm-hmm, back. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah, able all to- All that grace that you had been blocking. And I was able to re- almost relive that again. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I think that that's what, ha- that's what the Lord wants. Mm-hmm. When we enter, enter the, into the sacred mysteries, it should never really grow stale. It should always be kind of a different, every Lent should be a different Lent. Every right. Holy Week uh, should be a different Holy Week. Right, right. Every Mass grow, should be. Right. Just yeah. as, as every yeah. time we read the Bible, you know, how many times have we read the story of the wedding at Cana? Mm. And, you know, I'd read it for how many years, and then I realized something new each time. You know, oh, wait, those jugs of water aren't mm. just water they're water for purification mm. oh that's the water he used yes and that was only a few years ago that i realized that and i've heard that story since i was young and so same with this walking through holy week there's so much in each one of these masses i mean it's just impossible to pay full attention to all of it well can we begin by walking through maybe right you know, yeah holy and week. just walk together and yeah. and where you are this year different things will stand out to you and God is so good with that. The things that you need will come to you and next year you're in a different place and so those things while they are with you and they are part of you now these other things will come out and I never saw that. It was there Mm -hmm. 
but it's being brought forward to you this year because it's something that you need from him mm. and in order to help you on this walk on this journey that you have because mm. the funny thing is as I was writing this I'm going through and really paying attention because I know that I'm writing this and I want to make sure I have everything in so I go to service to all the services and all the masses and events and and I get to Sunday and I'm paying attention to all the various readings that you can mm. have on you know the very all the three years and I realize as I'm finishing, out of eight possible readings, so on Holy Saturday, the rotation of every three years, you go through a different reading, the readings on Sunday morning and the readings on Sunday afternoon, mm -hmm. there are eight readings. And in five of them, Jesus isn't even there. Huh. The tomb is empty, and yeah. they go find it, and they go, huh, and you leave. And I'm like, where'd he go? <laughs> And I realized even Easter, we think, so Easter is our destination. Yes. Easter is a beginning. We're, we're called to go back and say, he's, he's risen. And I don't know what that means. And I need to discover what that means. And the beautiful thing is then we have 50 days of Easter to find it. Yeah, to Pentecost. Right, right. And so I was kind of shocked. I'm like, oh, this book isn't done. <laughs> and it probably will continue and then you probably mm -hmm. have a, a, a volume two I a do. volume I'm five working on it, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know because like, you, you just got plan. back from the holy land right right and so you probably wrote this book before that right i did i did and, so and you, you going there as, as i write the book you know you're very immersed in it i was so immersed that you know i'm really writing and and contemplating and thinking what i want to say to people and I go to Mass, and it's right after Christmas, mm -hmm. and I hear the readings, and Jesus is, you know, collecting his disciples, you know, calls Simon, Peter, and calls James and John, and I'm sitting there thinking, why is he calling mm -hmm. the disciples? He just, he just died. Like, mm -hmm. this is the wrong reading. And I realize, no, we're at Christmas. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm really deeply in it emotionally, spiritually, mentally, as I'm writing and teaching for the last several years. And then I go to the Holy Land. Yeah. And as I'm there, I've never seen these places, but they're so familiar. And mm. so we can't always go. Not all of us can go to the Holy Land. Sure. But it's possible for it to be present for us here, which was the takeaway I had. I mean, it was wonderful to be able to be there and kind of put all those in a physical context and to see, oh, this is how far he would have walked. And this is where the crucifixion was in relation to where he was buried. It's so close. It's so close. You could throw a stone yes. from Calvary to... Yeah. And, and we actually had Mass in there, and it was an amazing experience as they raised the Eucharist and said, Behold, and I beheld my Lord in the Eucharist with out of my peripheral vision, being able to see Calvary, be, see where he was laid and prepared for burial and where he was buried all at the same moment. And it just took my breath away. It was just all there. And all that physical part is beautiful and wonderful, but we can go there at mass that's the thing i brought yeah. home every mass every mass you know and i've offered mass in the holy sepulcher during my first year of priesthood oh, in wow. 2014 mm -hmm. and to think that you know on this uh slab jesus christ the son of god the eternal word god the son lay dead you know right. and then he rose from the dead mm -hmm. and that's the greatest really it's the greatest accomplishment that god has ever done Really, it's the greatest compliment that God has had, mm -hmm. you know, to become man, to live a life, to, to die and then to rise, you know, right. to, to 
to share in our humanity like that. Right. For us to rise and to die. Lord, mm -hmm. who am I? You know, to be standing here and to offer Mass and, you know, to, to say those words of consecration, um, like you said, and to, be, to, and to say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Right. Uh, right there that in that That had to be powerful. Right. Yes. <laughs> that had to be amazing. Yeah. It's wonderful. And, and I just love that, you know, again, this walking through Holy Week, that we can prepare ourselves mm. for Lent or through Lent for yes. this Holy Week to be present, to be there in a way that we haven't been before, in a way that's more personal, in a way that's more connected and more real. Because this story is so real, but in a lot of ways we separate ourselves from it or we're separated from it because our crucifixes, mm. you have one here in your office, there is not a drop of blood on this crucifix. No, it's beautiful. It's, you know, it's pretty, but yeah. there's no blood, you know, so like no. the, the suffering that was involved in that is cleaned up, you know, and, and if we saw it, we'd be traumatized. You know, there's, there's a reason that that's cleaned up, but if we really saw it, if we really understood and made that story real, it would change it for us. And we have these layers that have beauty, that have meaning, but we sometimes forget the depth that's behind them. Yeah, and you start out the book about with the story of the uh, American teacher who was uh, an astronaut, mm -hmm. who was to be the first woman in space, Christina McLaugh. Yeah. And I remember I was a child. I, I was probably, I think, in fourth or fifth grade. Mm -hmm. um, and I stayed home from school that day because I was sick. Oh. And I saw it on TV. And I remember being a child and seeing that the, the space shuttle exploded. And I remember that. Right. I remember it's, it's like burned it. right. into my right. mind. And it was like, like all the hope, and you say this in your book, all the hope that was in this teacher going to space and then her coming back and her sharing, sharing her experience about what it was like to be in space. Just right. Just gone. Gone in an instant. Gone in an instant. Um, and, and you relate that to the stories of um, the reality of the life, death, mm -hmm. passion, resurrection of our Lord. And right. going through His life too as well. And we, we tend to forget the significance mm -hmm. of these events. Right. And when we allow ourselves to really go into the story and what I love about our Catholic faith is that these masses walk us through the timeline hmm. in the timeline so on Thursday yeah. we are at the Last Supper on Friday we are at the crucifixion and Friday night Saturday morning Saturday evening hmm. we wait and we come back and we know the end of the story so we wait and hope but if we allow ourselves to be part of that story to feel that devastation of the absence of Jesus it's, it's always every year really disturbing to me to see the open empty tabernacle I really don't mm. like it <laughs> because that absence is just shocking and and again going back to the Holy Land I had a really neat experience we went to the Western Wall Yes. And I didn't know that all four of the walls of the Temple Mount are still there. But the reason they pray at the Western Wall is that's the closest they can get to where the Holy of Holies was. Right. And they don't have access to that. The Jewish people do not have access to that. And even then, we went through some tunnels, and there's this one place that is the 
closest place you could get. It's a very small rectangular area and to pray there you have to have special permission from your rabbi. So you know maybe you've lost somebody, somebody somebody's died or is missing. So it's a big deal to get to go there. Mm. And as I watched this woman who was praying there, and we just we walked by in silence and gave her her space. It reminded me of a place in my church. So I'm a Eucharistic minister, and as we return to the sacristy, we go behind the tabernacle, and there's this little part of the wall that just sticks out, and you can mm. just touch it. And there's just something about like I know you're here, and that ability to touch it mm. that I love, and to think if I couldn't do that. Like if I was not allowed to receive the Eucharist, if this was taken from me and I could never touch again, mm. how much would I try to get as close as I could? And, and we have it so easily here that we don't really think about it, thank God, that it's yeah. not that kind of a crisis level. But when you think about it, like, Oh, I really do want that. I really long for that connection, for that touch, that physical touch of Jesus in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And and that ability to do that, the Western wall really made, yeah. made present to me. I think, would you say that deep down, everybody does yearn, you know, to be known by God, to be affirmed by God, to be, you know, touched by God, whether they know it or not. Right. Um, and you know to think that um, just recently they did a, a poll about Catholics believing in the real presence and it didn't turn out too well right. did it? and to think that okay do you think that there is a, definitely a crisis of faith and that we need to be reawakened you know oh, to the reality of our of the sacred mysteries of what mm-hmm. our Lord you know what he did what he taught and you know, I, I think that um, you know your book can help us to to reawaken that that mm-hmm. mystery within us, right? You know, that yeah. hunger, that hunger, that Jesus, because we have uh, that hunger. We try and feed it a million yeah. different ways. You know, with you know other people or career or money or yeah. fashion or you know popularity, Instagram. We try to fill that connection. We ha- we have that natural need. And it's not filled. And I think there is this crisis of faith that can be corrected by instruction, by kind of explaining. And, and one thing I love, again, about these masses and that I go into in walking through Holy Week, that it's just not the story of Jesus, that you're given the Old Testament reference that directly relates to what he's doing in each of these events. You have the psalm that helps you to understand even more the words yes. that he's saying, the actions that he's doing. So the manna in the desert lead, you know, points to the bread of life. And when he says, this is my body, this I am the bread of life, mm. that manna is pointing to it. And it's pointing to something more, mm. that nothing in the Old Testament points to something less in Jesus as he fulfills it. That's right. what fulfillment is filling it, not emptying it. And so as he says, you know, I am the bread of life, well, manna's already miraculous. And so how can he be the bread of life that's less miraculous than manna? It must be more miraculous. Mm. And so when he says, this is my body, the ultimate conclusion is it has to be. Yes. And, and I think some of that, instead of, well, you just have to believe that understanding, like this just makes logical sense. 
well, of course I believe in that. You know, mm -hmm. I don't understand it maybe. My husband um, converted to Catholicism from atheism and, and sure. he asked like, so what exactly does that mean? What exactly does that mean? And, mm -hmm. and our, our priest was wonderful. He said, I just believe it means whatever Jesus meant. <laughs> That's all I need Cut to and dry. know. Right. He said it's my body. I'm in. You know? But and your husband's an engineer. He's an engineer. He was like, no. what? But it was funny because that for him was a perfect answer. He's like, oh, I can live with that. Like, I don't have to understand it all in order for it to be real. You know, I don't have to understand the bond between hydrogen and oxygen that makes water. Yep. I can still drink it. And it's the same kind of thing. Like, so here's, here's what it is. Here's the explanation. But at some point, you just have to say, I just believe it's true because mm -hmm. I experience it. I, under I know it. I mm -hmm. feel it. I am fulfilled by it. I see the graces that come with it. And that's enough. That's okay. Yeah. You know, it seems like there's um, like a convergence between his story meaning Christ, mm -hmm. eight, capital H, <laughs> his story and our story. Mm -hmm. You know, I think throughout your book, you, you I think you often, I think Jim said this, you, you, you encourage the, the reader to, where, to, to envision themselves in the story. Mm -hmm. Where are you right. in the story? Right. You know, how, how, and it's going to look different for each one of us, I, mm -hmm. I assume. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to say, well, I would never have done the things that these you know people do you know i'm i'm one of the apostles that never abandoned him like mm. mm. <laughs> you do it sometimes every right, day <laughs> right right you know i mean it doesn't feel good to do that but i would like to be the apostle that didn't abandon him i would like to be the one that doesn't fall asleep i'm going to go in on holy thursday to adoration and i'm going to stay awake this year sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know but if i fall asleep I'm sleeping, you know, in the presence of Jesus. So, sure. But to be able to go into that story and see, so who am I today? You know, and again, you're going to be somebody different. You know, am I in the place that says, you know what, this is not the Messiah I wanted. This is not the Jesus I wanted. This Jesus is allowing something that's difficult for me. And I don't want that. Like, okay. Like, sometimes we're there. Yeah. And Jesus dies for us anyway. He dies for us specifically. And, you know, but then sometimes we are, you know, Peter, like, I would never abandon you. And we mean it. And, and we're not going to for a while, <laughs> you know. And, and so we are there with him. Yeah, our, their story is very much our story. We, every aspect yeah. of us is in, incorporated into the story. Yeah, talk, we talked about the Eucharist. Talk a little bit about Good Friday and the significance about Good Friday. We call it Good Friday, and I remember right. hearing in a homily once, what's so good about that? <laughs> right. That doesn't look good at all. <laughs> that doesn't look good. Right? I mean, mm -hmm. Like, why is that good? <laughs> and, and I think I, your daughter, the story you said about your daughter right. in yeah, the she, show, she got it. She got she it. She got yeah. it. She didn't want to go near such Right, like this Something is hard, horrible. right? And Something I don't horrible. want you to go there, and I don't want you to be away from me. And yeah. you know, and she was she was little, and so that makes sense. Like yeah. she's too little to really get like, how is this good, or how should I be grateful for this? This is just awful. Yeah. And she was embarrassed that she was so upset. And I was able to tell her, no, 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 you are the one who has it more than anyone else here. Hmm. That this is horrible. This was an awful crucifixion. This was an awful way to punish someone. Hmm. Is to 
beat them so brutally and then hang them for people to walk by and ridicule and mm -hmm. you know use as an example when he had done absolutely nothing wrong. And the good is that it was done for us. And I heard I heard somewhere that the only thing that kept Jesus on the cross was Jesus. Like he could have come down. Oh, he yeah. could have kept, you know, he's the one who kept his hands there, not the nails. And that gift to yeah. us is the good. And and when we can unite our suffering with that, when we can walk with Jesus and we can fall with our crosses and we can say, you know what, Jesus fell with his but he got back up again, and I will get back up again because I have power. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens mm. me, and he will give mm. me a Simon, or maybe I'm a Simon this year. Yeah. You know? I may be a different character this year. Right. I may be the man who said to Jesus, if you are truly the Son of God, come down from that cross. Right, right. You know, I, want, or, I want God to prove it to me. Mm-hmm. Prove yeah. yourself. Prove yourself. Like, show me. I need a sign. I need a <laughs> sign. I, I need a lot of signs. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or sometimes you're the, just remember me. Like, I know mm. that I've done wrong or I'm not worthy. All I want you to do is remember me, and that's enough. You know, and or to be with Mary, just sitting there at the foot of the cross, like I will not leave you. I, will I think be here. as um, you know, Karen, as a woman, and I see this in my own mother, and I, I've heard my aunt Colleen talk about this. When they pray the stations, there's something uh, you know in a woman's heart that is moved. I think more so than in a man's heart, mm -hmm. and identifies with Our Lady, mm -hmm. and what it would have been like to look at your own child. Right. Being um, rejected, scorned, crucified, mm -hmm. um, that a man will, will sometimes will never experience. Right. You know, something in, as, a, as a mother, having a maternal heart, you mm -hmm. have children. Right. Speak about that from your own experience of just being mm -hmm. a mother, I think. What, what it the, would be yeah. like. Yeah, and going through the Stations of the Cross, like I said, as in an Ignatian way that you put yourself into the the situation, I do very often put myself with Mary as mm. she knows that this has to happen and there's she knows there's nothing she can do to stop it, but she is there every step of the way. She mm. never leaves until, you know, she doesn't leave when he's dead. She holds him as he is brought down from the cross. Mm. And the power of that love to me is just as impressive to be able to allow your son to be beaten and taken and you being present and not running from that. And I've had times that my children have suffered, you know, have had, you know, broken arms that are horrifically broken and they are suffering so much and I am there. Or they have had, you know, health issues that take, you know, three or four emergency room visits to even diagnose what's going on. And I did, one of my daughters had that and I was newly pregnant with my third daughter so you're exhausted like I'm so tired and every time I go to sleep it was when this would flare up and we didn't know what it was and I fought through this just sheer wall of exhaustion because mm. I wouldn't give up on her I would not leave her alone in this I couldn't fix it but I wouldn't leave her alone and I kept going back and going back and going back until we got a diagnosis and then going back and going back for her treatment. And as exhausted as I was, I was never gonna leave her. And mm -hmm. so on some small level, very small level, I understand that love of a mother 
for the Son and the gift of that, the grace that comes through that, being able to say, God's will be done. Mm. I think it's easier to say God's will be done for me than it is to say God's will be done for my children if it means my children will suffer. Mm. So much, I'd much rather, that whole like, do it to me, just do it to me, don't do it to them. Yeah, I think any parent, any sane parent would, in holding their child and, and being with their child that has uh, an earache or any kind of infection or, or sickness or, or trauma, they cry out to God, give it to me. Right, in a heartbeat. Give it to me, it. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. I'll take mm-hmm. it in a heartbeat. And, and Our Lady, that, that, that must have been in an even more intense way for her, mm-hmm. you know, being, you know, conceived without original sin, you know, completely united in her son's sacrifice and what he was doing, his mission, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, to say, Lord, you know, you know, I, I want to take him down. Right. But but there's that scene in the Passion of the Christ, mm-hmm. which is so powerful, when she see, when she says, you know, fiat, mm. and she hands over her son, you know, she makes that act of faith while her son is on the cross being crucified. That was a very powerful mm-hmm. scene for me in that total trust and abandonment. And all, I mean, I'm just having, you know, kind of images of my own mother, I think, mm-hmm. through throughout my own uh, childhood and you know one time I was in the hospital after having knee surgery mm-hmm. and I just gotten out of surgery and my mom comes up to me and she puts her hands on me and you know I said to her I said to her you know don't talk to me I'm in pain <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know but my mom was there my right. mom stayed in the hospital for three days mm-hmm. while I was there my dad didn't right and he went home and worked but my mom stayed with me right right she was with me by my side in my, mm-hmm. in my yeah. even, even when you don't want her to be no. there, like no I she will was be there. here for you I will be here I will be here in your pain I will be here in your sorrow and Right, and just that dedication and love that, and and what a blessing that she was able to do that. But mm-hmm. of course, she would do that. You know, that yeah. that was her role is to be there for you. And just recently, about two years ago, I felt as if the roles almost reversed in that my mom had second stage breast cancer, mm. and I went to the hospital with her, and she's in the um, operating room getting a mastectomy done. And I'm out in the waiting room, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm waiting for that phone call. And then the, the nurse calls out to me and says, "Your mom is not, you know, she doesn't have any carcinoma in her lymph nodes." And mm. I had the, the, it was just that moment of kind of, I I experienced, you know, I know I'm, you know, it's a lot different, obviously, um, but you know, the Lord allowed me to see, I think. Mm-hmm. in a glimpse what right. my mom had done for me all those years mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and me being there and and waiting for my mom um and being there for her right. uh, just a little glimpse uh, mm-hmm. uh you know a, a sliver yeah. yeah and it's all based in love it's all love and that's for me this year for sure every year like we said every year is different mm-hmm. but for me this year the whole approach to Lent is based in love. The foundation is love because that's what we're going towards. That's the sacrifice that we've been given in the crucifixion. That was out of love. And so anything we do for Jesus comes from that, should come from that love, not out of obligation, but out of 
you know, it, not because I have to, because, but because I have to. Like I can't not do it. Mm -hmm. I need to do this. I want to do this because I love you. And so then I will do this for you. I will wait for you. I will suffer with you. I will sit with you as you're recovering from your knee injury or as, you know, whatever. That all of those acts of love are ways that we participate in the salvific work of Jesus. Mm. And that's just a beautiful way to live our Lent, to go through Holy Week, to approach Easter, and then to live the days beyond. I love that. I think, um, you know, just in thinking about Holy Thursday and Good Friday and, and Holy Saturday, Holy Saturday is a day in itself that is very mysterious. Mm -hmm. And it's not really talked about. I, I, I didn't. I didn't read that far in your book yet. I just got it today. <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading it during mm -hmm. um, my preparation for uh, the Triduum. Mm -hmm. But what do you speak about Holy Saturday? It's my favorite. Really? Really? Mass of the entire uh, year. <laughs> um, entire year. We have, we have uh, sisters who their monastery is named after Our Lady of Solitude, which is Our Lady of Holy Saturday. Oh, really? Yeah. That's amazing. And so... In their altar, in the back of their altar, they have um, uh, the dead Christ laying in the tomb. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's very powerful. And it's powerful. Very yeah, powerful. Yeah, because it's not meditated upon all, often. It's not. That day is kind of spent, for us, I know that day is, is spent preparing for right, there's a making lot preparations <laughs> for the Easter vigil, but, mm -hmm. but we rarely take time during the morning mm -hmm. and afternoon to really kind of enter into the... Into the that, reality waiting, of that, that waiting. waiting. Okay, speak about mm -hmm. that right. waiting. And yeah. and again, that's what I love about our Catholic Church is that it takes us through. So Friday, everything is done. Mm -hmm. Like we go home, we leave the church, and there is nothing to do unless you're a, a priest and <laughs> involved yeah. in, in putting on the, the thing on Saturday. But as far as the faithful are concerned, you go home. And you can't come back until sundown the next day. Yeah. And you just have to wait with that feeling of emptiness, with that loss of in that where did he go? And if you are in the story, if you have become a part of that story and are journeying every day in the timeline of the disciples, then you sit with them. They didn't know that Sunday was coming. They didn't know. I mean, he told them, but they didn't mm -hmm. know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Even when Sunday Bounced came, off, they were near, like, what? right. The in guys what? who were walking Out to Emmaus, they're like, yeah. He, like some women said they saw him and we don't know what happened. Like he told you like seven times. And, our, and their hearts were burning. <laughs> right. Like, did you not pick it up? Yeah. But no, you know, they were just kept in the dark. Yeah. And so we have that time to wait and be in that place yeah. of of loss and of emptiness that we mm. know every one of us knows that feeling of loss and emptiness mm. and then we can go to holy saturday and i the i love this mass because it has the entire story in one place you start in the beginning the first reading is in the beginning from genesis and you have like this darkness the lights are out and mm. there's this holy fire and the light of christ comes in and spreads through the church. We each receive the light of Christ and pass it to each other. Mm -hmm. And the church 
fills with light and there's not a light bulb on. It's my favorite part Me too. of the mass. I'm like, Me don't too. turn on the lights. Don't turn on the lights. <laughs> yeah. That, let's have the whole mass like this. I know, I know. My <laughs> husband is like, every mass should be like that. Yeah, yeah. Who needs we don't need artificial light. light? Right. You know, like they had candles a long time ago. This is legal. It's fine. <laughs> but then the stories begin and they tell us the entire salvation history you know not you don't read the entire bible but you get the summary you get you know the creation you get the exodus you get the flood Mm -hmm. and all of these things point to what's coming to what's about to happen and you just are waiting 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 and and then the lights are on and the bells are ringing and the hallelujah is singing and the glory is going and and just your goosebumps are all over the place because now the light has broken through the darkness and don't we all desire that and long for that light, especially when we're in that darkness. And if you're in that darkness, what a powerful way to come into that transformation and to sit like, yes, there is darkness, but the light has overcome it. The light is more powerful than any darkness in your life. And this, you know, the veil has been torn. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Like this is done. And then everyone comes into the church. Then you have these people having their baptism and their confirmation and their first communion and the joy of that. Like, how do you not want to go to that every year? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to witness your husband coming in the, I did. the faith, mm-hmm. you know, after you, know, you said him being an atheist mm-hmm. and struggling with that. You know, walk us through, I think, walk us through his struggle. I mean, what were mm-hmm. the obstacles in his struggle and how did he right. come to uh, ex- faith and how did he come to grapple with truth yeah you know almost facing grappled yeah (laughs) a lot of grappling (laughs) so he was raised in a family that never went to church so when we started dating in high school he would come with me and he was a part of our church choir even though he can't sing and he didn't know what was going on and he will admit to you today the only reason he was there was that that got him to spend time with me so but you know god works in mysterious ways (laughs) And he came to a Christmas mass with me and came out and said, wait, so how can she be pregnant if she's a virgin? I'm like, how have you not heard that story? You know, and he hadn't even heard the stories. He didn't know Noah. He didn't know Adam and Eve. He didn't know Cain and like none of it. And so I was literally starting from scratch. All he had seen of religion was what was on television. And that was the time of the televangelists with Jimmy Swagger and Tim and or um, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker and, and all these people that it was so clear that their purposes were not about Christ, that their purposes were about money. Hmm. And he's like, why would I want anything to do with that? I'm like nothing, that's abhorrent. Hmm. And it is, that's not faith. And so that's the things that he saw, and the struggle was changing his perspective to see that that really was not what faith truly was, and educating him on what what was even going on. And he would ask me all these questions, and I had grown up Catholic, and I knew that God was real, but I didn't really have an intellectual faith. I couldn't really Mm -hmm. defend my faith in the way that I can now thanks to him because he would ask me questions I'm like I don't know you know and some of them you know it was like about the grammar and the prayer and why is it that way I'm like I don't even care <laughs> it doesn't really matter it's because you're missing the point and 
because of his questions and because of his challenges, I had to dig deeper into my faith. Mm. And the deeper I dug, the more truth I found and the more beauty I found and the more that longing that was already in my heart grew. And I just wanted more. I wanted to be closer. I did. I was like, Lord, I just, I want to be able to just fall on my knees and worship you because I adore you so much. Mm. And I was given that grace to be able to do that, to feel that closeness and to feel Christ within me, beside me. Like he wasn't up there anymore. He was right here and very present and active in my life. And then my husband was like, what did I do? <laughs> Where'd she go? And I better figure this out. I better put up or shut up. And so he went on a retreat that our church gave that I had been on. And you know, several of the guys knew him because we knew each other through the wives. And we're really calling him, you need to come, you need to come. And he finally came to me and said, you know, I think this is the retreat I need to go on. Hmm. And, that was, and, I, and you kind of hear those things when, you know, in faith, you're like, why did you say need? Like, not I should, not I ought to, not, you know, makes the most sense because I know these guys. He said the word need hmm. and he didn't realize it, but I did. And like, then that's the truth then this is the retreat you need to go on. And I'm not going to jump up and do high fives, but yes, because <laughs> I know God's going to work in this one. And he went, and as he left, he was really concerned. And these guys knew him. You know, they knew okay. his story. But he yes. said, what are they going to do when they realize, like they really know that I don't believe? And I knew these guys, and I told him the truth. I said, they're going to love you. And he went and came home and said, I saw the Holy Spirit. He had seen this story that, or, you know, this friend of ours had told a story about finding this missile, like at the perfect time and the most meaningful time. And my husband said, that was not coincidence. That couldn't be coincidence. And he said, and then when these guys figured out that, or really knew that I didn't believe, and he teared up and he said, they left me. And that broke him. It broke all those walls. And he said, I don't know what this is. I don't know where it's going. So it wasn't a, ooh, I believe, and now I'm all in. It was definitely a journey. Mm. But after that, the end was done. <laughs> you knew what was coming. And it was just this walk where just slowly by slowly, this edifice had crumbled and was put back together piece by piece by piece until he said, I'm ready to join the church. And that was during RCIA. That often happens. It was to a not. Lot of... He did RCIA after? after that. Okay. Right. And then okay. in RCIA, the okay. walls kept build, being built awesome. more solidly. And then his foundation was even more. And that was just the beginning of the mm. story. And just like us, like our story, just because we've come to faith, just because we've had an awakening in sure. faith, that's the beginning. And just like I say in walking through Holy Week at Easter, like, this is just the beginning. Sometimes this I feel like I'm just a baby. Right. Um, and just, you know, I, I, I've had, I've studied theology formally for, you know, almost <laughs> two decades. Right. And, but sometimes I feel like, Lord, I feel like a child and, and I feel like there's so much to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are so many lessons that you want to teach me. Right. You know, so I just, I'm, I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm just coming to the font to drink. Right, <laughs> I, right. I, I can't. I can't take it all in. And we never will, which is the beautiful thing. Like, we, we never will this side of heaven. And so I used to worry, like, okay, I've had this really amazing experience, and I have a lot of life to live, and mm-hmm. am I going to get bored? <laughs> you know? Or am I going to run out of things, or am I not 
going to have this connection. And and the more I've lived it, the more I realize now I will mm. never exhaust mm. the source of grace. I will never exhaust the knowledge that I can yeah. receive from God. And and you know, just like we've said, like every year you're in a different place, mm. and so I can pull more and more things out of Scripture, out of my prayer, out of my relationship with Jesus, and. It's a beautiful thing. Karen, you do a lot of teaching also and with young people. Mm-hmm. Would you say that we shouldn't take it for granted that um, that everybody knows anything or, or ju- we should just even just start with the basics? I think, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I find that too in preaching. Um, mm-hmm. and, and when I'm with college students, I, I, I don't, I, I almost, um, start out as if just a basic message of, of the kerygma mm-hmm. of salvation <laughs> right. like, like like just the basics people need to know uh, the right. basics that's what Mother Angelica was about in teaching the basics right right yeah and it's never a problem to go back to the no. basics and even you know after 20 years of theological study to say okay wait a minute am I grounded in this kerygma <laughs> like Jesus loves me yeah <laughs> he sacrificed himself for me and and like Jim was saying you know it's uh, somebody you were saying um, it's was it we're a master we're yeah my homily this, yeah, morning. Your homily this morning I forget I don't exactly what I said but Monsignor Pope said it to us on retreat he said um, you're not okay mm-hmm. um, there's a doctor in the house and his name, his is, name Jesus. is Jesus <laughs> right and he can you know fix the mess that we've caused and he's the divine and the physician. That we are, and right. the mess that we are. Right. I love <laughs> yeah. that. I love that. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think it's very important to go back to the beginning because especially with young people, you, know, you understand things differently at three, then you do at seven, then you do at 10, then you do mm. at 15. And so it's always good to go back to that mm. and then draw from that at an age-appropriate level. And I teach a lot of middle school, high schoolers, you know, going okay. into confirmation. And the one thing for me that's important, well, many things, but one of the things is at that age, have, they start to wrestle with their faith and, and own it. It becomes theirs, and they kind of lose their parents' faith. And so as they're looking, they have all these questions, and so many people are afraid to answer them. Hmm. They're afraid of the questions because they don't really know that they'll know the truth. And from my experience with my husband, I know, like whatever your question is, even if I don't know it, I know that the truth will come. And I know that it will deepen my faith and yours. Hmm. So I always start every year with you tell me your burning questions. One that tells them that your questions are worth asking Mm -hmm. and they're worth being answered. I value you. I adore you and I want to help you discover these answers that you're wrestling with that everyone else feels are frightening. They're not frightening. They're windows into this faith that God has for you. If you have this question, if you're wrestling with this doubt, it's because something that you understand about Jesus or about God doesn't fit anymore. Hmm. So this understanding that you had at five years old was great at five. But you need to get rid of that. It doesn't fit anymore. So, of course, it feels wrong because it's not full. And so let's find the fullness of that. So ask the questions. There's nothing wrong with questions. Nothing. I, I often tell uh, people, especially young people, they say, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, first they might say I'm doubting. Well, you know, there's a difference between a doubt and a question. True. Right. Um, right. You know, I, I think... Uh, 
it was G.K. Chesterton said that uh, a thousand doubts are not, you know, um, one question, you mm. know, or don't equal one. It, he's basically saying, you know, like, um, you know, it, it's good for us to ask questions. Um, it's very it, good. It's good for us. It shows a, a maturity. Mm -hmm. um, it shows that we're thinking and we're using this thing that God, you know, gave us. Mm -hmm. This 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 brain, this head, this intellect, this heart. Um, you know, to ask uh, questions, and we should ask questions. Those deeper questions. You know, who am I? Am who, who am I? You know, where am I going? Uh, what is life about? Uh, mm -hmm. What is the purpose and meaning of suffering? All mm -hmm. these essential questions. They're going to look different when right. we're 15, when we're 25, mm -hmm. when we're 45, when we're 55. Right. We're, they're going to look it's going to be almost like killing an onion off, isn't it? Right, right. And you just get deeper and deeper. And and the thing is to know where to find the answers. Because you can go on the internet and find an answer to sure. anything. And it's not necessarily the truth. And knowing how to discern that truth is a gift that, again, you can give to your children or to the children that you work with or to yourself to say, so... I've, I've read enough of the Bible that I know what Jesus sounds like. Mm -hmm. I know his voice. I've read enough of the catechism to know the guidelines of the teachings of the church, which has been given to us by Jesus to help inform us and instruct us. And so I can take those things and then the things that I discover when they fit into all of those, I can, I can trust that those are true. And they always have a depth and a beauty and a grace mm. within them. Well, Karen, thank you so much for for walking with us as your as your uh, your title. Your book is called "Walking Through Holy Week: A Journey into the Story of Easter." I look forward to reading this um, thank you. when I'm with the sister servants and offering mass uh, during the triduum. I hope it. I know it will inform me and, and help me in in my prayer and, and in my preaching. So wonderful! Thank God, you for may, having me. May it's God been bless wonderful. you in your ministry. Thank you so much. God bless. Thank you.